In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Bravo Docket. Before we get into today's episode, we want to talk about our appearance in the Jen Shaw documentary that appeared on Hulu on Monday. I don't know my date. <laughs> on Monday. Oh, November 29th. That was the date. I'm on vacation in Mexico, so I'm not going to be able to help you with dates. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a random Monday in November. I just can't. It was the 29th. But yeah, it's still on Hulu right now. I think everyone should check it out. I think for people that listen to the podcast, you're really not learning too much new information by watching the documentary, but I still recommend watching it because of the victim's involvement in the documentary. It's always, I think, nice to put a face on the victims. I think it's fun to watch on TV until you remember that, like, no, Jen Shaw is being accused of doing bad things to really innocent people, so... Yeah, and the the they do an excellent job of kind of giving an overview. Like so, Ceci and I were talking about we were just on Brian Bailey's podcast, and we talk about that there. I suggest you listen to the episode; it's great. Also, we love Brian Bailey so bad it's good. Um, excellent podcast. He's super high energy, super fun. Um, but like it, they do a good job of explaining things in a way that like your significant other could watch it with you. And even if they aren't interested in Bravo, they would still be interested in what's going on. And they explain who Jen Shaw is and stuff like that. So we think that's really good. We'd also like to say that producers did an excellent job. I mean, they had a short amount of time to put everything out. They very carefully fact-checked everything. I mean, they were very diligent about making sure everything that they aired had been, it was, it was real journalism and we appreciated that. And we were grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they were really careful. I mean, we spent three and a half hours, four hours recording and they made sure that everything we said was 
backed up on the record and that we didn't say anything without like making sure we said that it was an accusation or alleged. And that's kind of similar to what we do in the podcast. We want to make sure that we're presenting it all accurately. But yeah, I think we had so much fun doing it. It was so fun to watch. I don't think I ever could have imagined that we would be in a Hulu documentary. I know. It's amazing. (laughs) I don't know. That wasn't I just I, I wanted to do the podcast because I thought it would be fun for my own benefit to go through the legal docs. So seeing this, seeing other people appreciate this podcast and then getting the opportunity to do something like that was just not even on my radar. Really, really cool. Yeah, we had I mean, we had no idea when we started this podcast that like we would have the love that we have from our fans and we appreciate it so much. Y'all's support is amazing. And we are just ever more motivated to like do a good job, keep putting out quality stuff. And we have so many things coming up. Like there's so many interesting new legal stuff coming up. We have our huge list of the stuff that has gone on in the past. Um, oh, and Ceci, should we talk about our Patreon? Yeah. So I was going to say, like, we don't necessarily need financial support. We, we do this for fun. We would do this like, I mean, we do. We do it on our own free time. But if you want to help us help support the podcast financially to help cover some of the costs that go into making the podcast, like the website hosting, the pacer fees, the what else? Hosting fees. Oh, my God. There's there's so many little subscriptions that we have to have just to put this out. I mean, Ceci and I are ethical, so we don't use any of our work stuff for any of this. We are very careful. We don't cross anything over. So it's like we have to get our own Adobe subscriptions. We have to get our own, you know, Microsoft subscriptions. We have to get our own subscriptions so that when we like, you know, on Spark. So when we're posting certain things, I do all the video editing. Ceci does the audio editing, which by the way, the whole reason our podcast sounds so good is because of Ceci. She is a meticulous <laughs> audio editor and she's done Putting so it much on my to resume. Help. <laughs> yeah, she should. You should. You are like an audio engineer now. It's amazing. And but it, it takes a ton of time away from like other things that we would be doing and we but and we love doing it. But it's also like this hasn't benefited my husband at all. And now I can be like, oh, well, I have to watch Bravo. I don't have an excuse. Like mm-hmm. this is this is for the podcast. It's important. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so along with supporting us on Patreon, um, you get some benefits like you get to vote what the next episode should be like. We'll give you polls, things like that. Uh, one of the coolest things that we're offering or the coolest thing is a chance to do a live Zoom with us to chat with us about things we've covered, like cases we've covered, legal concepts we've covered, not your personal legal issues. We are not giving legal (laughs) advice. There's no legal advice on the Zoom. I will be likely drinking a White Claw, hanging out and talking to you guys. Um, But we enjoy talking about the cases so much. And there's so much that we can't put in every podcast because we do have to keep it at a reasonable amount of time. Um, And we just love our fans and are excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, so that that tier has a limit. So sign up if you want to take part in this month's Zoom. There's going to be one every month. But yeah, anything else you want to talk about before we get into the fan questions? And that that's what this episode is. So we opened up the floor to all of our listeners to provide us with questions that they had about the Girardi case. But before we dive in, anything else? Oh, I just wanted to say, so like we obviously we met on Reddit. We are still on the Real Housewives sub and we love it. I had noticed some things about how the documentary about Jen, Jen Shaw had like, they were very careful to say these aren't necessarily Jen Shaw's victims. And I think there was maybe some criticism of that. And one of the things I'd like to say is 
that's because ABC is being so careful and doing such a good job to make sure that like this is real journalism. But the government is alleging that Jen Shaw was at the very top tier. So that would be like, I'm trying to figure out a way to explain it. That would be like, if you understand how MLMs work, now this wasn't an MLM, but if you think about how an MLM works, the people that start the company and then, you know, let's say, for example, sell leggings and they have what they call independent retailers selling leggings and then those people have to purchase from them. And then at the you know very end of the line, those other independent retailers have like their own, you know, upline or whatever. It, but the, then the person that buys the crappy leggings is the victim. So there's a long chain in between. But the whole reason the whole chain exists is because of the people at the top. So what the government is alleging is that Jen Shaw is at the top and also that she had her own sales floor in Manhattan, not that she was personally making the calls, but that she had a sales floor. And then also that she, her companies did business with these other companies that prevented the chargebacks and the credit cards. So the ABC did a good job and they were very careful not to say like, this is one of Jen Shaw's victims. Like she sold anything specifically to them. Um, if that makes sense. So I did want to kind of clear that up if what I said helped at all. Yeah. I think that does clarify. And even so, even if she, they weren't directly involved in Jen Shaw's alleged scheme, it's still nice to see how people can be affected by similar schemes. So, right. And I, I think that's another great thing about the documentary is that it's going to help get the word out there about these types of schemes and maybe prevent someone else's parents or grandparents like from being taken in by this type of stuff. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I kind of like I I really enjoyed how the investigators were like, come forward. We're still you could still help yeah. us. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was great. All right, so let's get into the questions. We have quite a a lot, um, but they're all really thought out. Some are pretty fun. You guys are smart. Our fans, we feel like we have the smartest fans. You guys sent questions that were so good. Really, really good. So let's just go down the line. Um, The first question, we've broken them up into categories. So I broke them up into Erica's finances, Erica's behavior, (laughs) defenses, allegations versus fact, charges at play, and then miscellaneous. The miscellaneous ones are the fun ones. (laughs) First question under Erica's finances. How much do we think she's spending on legal services? I think to understand this, we should understand how many cases she's involved in at the moment. So she's defending herself in two bankruptcies in the adversary petition that was filed directly against her. She's now defending herself in the Edelson case, which was unpaused. And then there's a Sheldon Finn case, which we haven't explained before, but basically it's um, two law firms that filed claims against her and Tom Girardi. The ones that have to do with the finances are being handled in the bankruptcy. So those claims are part of the bankruptcy proceedings. But there are claims that have survived that are against Erica, and that's aiding and abetting a breach of fiduciary duty and financial elder abuse. So she's defending herself in that case. That is five matters in total. Just going to give you an example of how much a law firm could charge. So in the adversary petition against Erica, the attorney Evan C. Borges from Greenburn Gross LLP, which is a firm located in Costa Mesa, is representing her. He went to Berkeley 
He went to Yale for law school. He's a trial attorney with more than 28 years of experience in complex business litigation matters. It's a small firm, so maybe they have one partner, one associate on Erica's case. We'll say the partner is charging $700 per hour and the associate maybe $400 per hour. Maybe they have like a deal, like a cap where she won't pay more than X amount of money, but not sure. We'll say it takes 15 hours of both of their time to draft the answer in the case. That would be $16,500 for drafting one filing. Of course, not all filings are that labor intensive, like not all filings take 15 hours to draft, but that's just an estimate. Some things are like a one to two page response. So assuming she had to have five things drafted for her that each took 15 hours of time across you know, all the five cases I just mentioned, that's $82,500 so far. And that's a lot of math I just did. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And that's just an example. We're not saying that's what their billable hour is or anything like that. And we're also not including things like printing or Mm-mm. paralegal time or, you know, things like that. It's, phone so calls it's that she has with phone her calls. partners. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that is just an example, a ballpark, very rough, crude ballpark of what she could be paying. And that's a lot of money. A lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Any other thoughts on that one? No thoughts on that one. So basically, we're saying she is spending a lot of money on legal services. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. So her $600,000 Bravo paycheck, probably and going I, to that and glam. A Yale educated <laughs> attorney, like Yale's the top law school in the United States. It has been for a long time. And the they, you know, the Ivy League is not cheap. <laughs> nope, it is not. Okay. So this one is one that I, it had been bugging me so much. So I finally researched it. It's the question about Erica's signature on the loan documents regarding Girardi Keys. This came out really early on when we first had heard about these cases. They were circulating social media and Reddit. And people yeah, were like, peeps were on this immediately. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what is this document with her signature? Okay, let me explain. And this is going to take a little bit of time. To orient everyone, early on in the personal bankruptcy, Erica filed an objection over the turnover of their Pasadena estate being made to Rio Gomez. And we talked about this early on in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Erica's argument was that her interest as Girardi's wife under the homestead exemption trumped the creditors and she wanted payment under the exemption. So she was just filing this and saying, hey, my rights go before the creditors. Have you looked into the homestead exemption? Figure this out before you pay it out to the creditors. I think that's fine. She just wanted the procedure to go through as it should. The homestead exemption allows you to exempt a certain amount of your equity and protect it from the bankruptcy trustee. What happened was a lending company, it was a litigation loan company, that provided Girardi Keese and Girardi with a loan filed an opposition to Erica's objection and cited documents that were the ones we all saw that Erica signed. The lending company filed it because they're saying, no, you don't get a homestead exemption because you signed these loan documents. It's saying Erica signed away her right to the homestead exemption. So she didn't deny that those were her signatures, but it didn't, it didn't mean that she was on the hook for a loan to Girardi Keys, if that makes sense. It was only, she only signed away the homestead exemption. So I think everyone saw it as like her admitting fault or like that she would lose all of her assets if Tom couldn't repay the loan. And it it wasn't that. But I think people took it as if this is if those were her signatures and didn't she deny signing them? I believe in her response, she denied signing them. No, she didn't Mm -hmm. deny signing them. No, she hasn't denied signing them and she hasn't denied that they weren't verified. 
Oh, yeah. I thought she did deny that because that, oh my God. Okay. Because that people are taking it as, okay, the date that she signed those, that was obviously like before there was a bankruptcy, before all of this stuff came out, that which if you are having to sign away your homestead exemption, that would mean that the creditors are like, clearly we don't trust you that you have assets. Like that the the lenders are saying like, we don't trust you that you have enough assets. So we want some certification that if you are forced into bankruptcy, that we can get your house, that we have a seniority over you towards your house. Like, so you don't get your homestead exemption. So that's a pretty big deal. Right, right. So it was on September 17, 2019, she signed, the agreement says, I agree that California Attorney Lending to Inc. has first leaned on any assets owned by Thomas V. Girardi and any assets which are community property. And that was Exhibit B. And then she also said it is agreed that any obligation from the law firm to Thomas Girardi, the estate of Thomas Girardi, is waived until council financial is paid in full. And that was attached as Exhibit C. So those were the two documents that were floating around Reddit. And then, I mean, without researching it, just my gut instinct is that she didn't get her homestead exemption because um, Rio Gomez is making any, is getting like a significant portion of the mm-hmm. sale of the property. So, yeah. So that was that. <laughs> That's okay. the loan document <laughs> issue. The next question in the financial category is it possible the IRS was looking into her tax returns? Is it possible the IRS is looking into her tax returns? It's possible, but it seems like if they were looking into it, she would have been in tax trouble before now. <laughs> right. <laughs> because of what some of the things we've seen. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, my instinct without being a tax professional or anything is I don't really think they had any reason to go looking at her tax returns when she was filing them without knowing all this back end stuff that we now know or that is being alleged by the trustees. I mean, I would think such large amounts would flag, but I don't know. We'd love to maybe if any of our fans happen to be former IRS auditors or tax experts, we would love to chat with you because that would be really interesting info. Yeah. So I've been audited. (laughs) <laughs> I was in law school making <laughs> negative amount of money, um, and I was on it, so. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Like, it's like, I have nothing, and I still have nothing because yeah. I am a poor law student. Right. So. It's like, cool, what do I do now? This next question, do you want to read this one? Yeah. Are there documents supporting that $20 million didn't go into EJ Global? Did she get a $20 million loan in her LLC? How can she defend spending $14 million over 12 years? And was this an omission? And if she doesn't have access to her finances, how does she know she didn't get the loan? Again, these are all very good questions. Our listeners are smart. These are the type of things where it's like you have an analytical brain and you're making the if-then equations and you're seeing that things didn't add up. So there, I have not seen any documents supporting that the $20 million didn't go into EJ Global on the tax returns that were signed that we've seen. And again, we don't have all the information. We only have what has been made publicly available on the court system. So we haven't looked at all of the tax returns, so we can't tell you about everything. But what we can tell you is that Erica signed the tax returns. She was the sole owner of EJ Global LLC. And she signed saying that, hey, these this money uh, came in. So she also claims that she signed the Girardi, Girardi's personal tax return. She even talked about that in her book, Pretty Mess, saying, well, how do I know that it's half ours? Because I see the tax returns and I sign them. So 
<laughs> we haven't seen anything to the contrary. We've only seen what is publicly available. And then also we are aware of what Erica has said, both in her book and at various times, like on Watch What Happens Live. Well, I, I would know because it's my company and I make my own money. So what about her answer? She said some stuff in her answer, right? Yeah. So like in her answer that she filed, she claims that she relied on tax professionals to uh, and lawyers and that she's not a lawyer and that she only has a 12th grade education and that she relied on those people to be documenting this information accurately. Um, that kind of response is kind of a, like a, a not, it's kind of a non-response a bit. It's a bit non-responsive because it's saying, well, I'm not denying that I signed those, but I am saying that I didn't know or that I was, it wasn't my fault um, in a way. So she is kind of trying to say, well, like I had lawyers, I only have a 12th grade education and I had lawyers and tax accountants telling me that this was the right thing to do. So how was I supposed to know? Right. Um, and yeah. then um, her saying that she, she said it at the reunion that she spent $14 million over yeah. 12 years. I don't think she's denying that she spent that money. She didn't she at the reunion. She yeah. <laughs> Not once has she denied spending money. I don't think I think that's one thing. Erica has been incredibly inconsistent on just about everything else. But one thing she has been consistent about is that, yes, she did spend money. Um, she's never denied spending money. She's never denied being expensive. Um, I, she did not admit to it being a loan. And I do. It does. And I've said this before. I said this in our last episode. I do seem to think that Erica just thought that this was all a gift from Girardi. She seemed to behave that way because she said over and over again, it's, you know, I, I owe this all to Tom. This is all from Tom. Without yeah. Tom's support, I wouldn't be able to have it. it not, not once did she imply, oh, yeah, but it's a loan from Girardi Key, yeah. so I have to pay it back. Right. I think in her mind, she just thought that this was part of her benefit of being married to Tom. She gets all this money yeah. and, like, no big deal without realizing that it might be actually the law firm's money. Yes. And this goes into our next question, which is, how is she legally, financially responsible for any faults of the business? And she's only responsible in the Girardi case bankruptcy for the funds that should have been in the firm's estate. So like the alleged loans, she's not getting brought into yet or that we know of into any of Tom's misdeeds, like taking the client settlement money. It's that she, her liability right now and what the bankruptcy trustees are trying to do is find any assets that should be in the firm's estate and should go back to legitimate creditors. But on the personal side, it's it's the money that was part of a community property because she's in a community property state, like we've explained before. She was married to Tom and um, the date of separation is what ends her money being part of the community property. Yeah. So in, I guess, the faults of the business, I would say she is, it's going to be hard for her to argue she's not legally, financially responsible for the faults of EJ Global LLC, since she was the owner of that. But as far as Girardi Keys, unless they can prove, like, prove some kind of conspiracy or collusion between her and Tom to actually defraud his clients, which will be very difficult. And no one, so far, no one's really alleged that. They've said that the if money was misappropriated, but so far, I don't think anyone has specifically alleged any type of uh, overt collusion on behalf of Erica and Tom mm -hmm. yet. But And then next, why aren't her assets frozen? She seems to be carrying on spending her Bravo checks. So she, Tom doesn't have any 
money right now. <laughs> it's it's the the bankruptcy estate has Tom's assets. She has her own money coming in and she has to be honest with the bankruptcy trustee about what she has coming in. Her divorce isn't final yet. There hasn't been a legal declaration of as to actually what the date of separation was to say like this is the date that any income moving forward is no longer community property. So I would say her <laughs> Gerardi Key's credit card certainly isn't working anymore. Um, and as I think everybody recalls, she was ordered by the federal judge in Chicago to not be selling any more of her stuff. So she does have to be very careful about what she's doing and where the money is coming in and like going out. And she has to be very clear about that. But I don't think any of her personal stuff is specifically, you know, frozen. Well, yeah, there hasn't been a judgment against her yet in the bankruptcy. Right. There have been allegations by the trustee. There have been allegations by... Um, the special counsel investigating that she has assets that belong to the firm or that, you know, it, it, it's loosely um, alleged in the personal bankruptcy that she was receiving funds as well. But there hasn't been any court ordered determination that actually her assets are part of either of those estates and need to be repaid to the creditors. So there's no reason yet to freeze her assets. Right. And if we're getting this wrong, people that do this type of forensic account, like, let us know and we'll fix it. Just yeah. email us. <laughs> but I think like from what we've seen on the docket, because if you go on the docket and look, there are payments going out to creditors. And I yeah. don't think Erica specifically has been tied to any of those payment payouts yet. It's been things no, like the sale of the La Quinta home. It's been things like the auction, the proceeds from the auction of um, Tom's firm bankruptcy. That has been used to pay back creditors right now. But right, I haven't but seen not any Erica's like, personal Erica, funds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't have an Erica right. auction yet. And we're right. not getting my my off the runway T-shirt dresses. <laughs> <laughs> the next one. This is a fun one. Do you want to do this one? Yeah. Could the court go after Tom's mistress for funds? I mean, this is so they're in. I believe in both bankruptcies, both in the Girardi Keys bankruptcy and in the um, personal bankruptcy. The trustee has filed motions and has been approved to file things where they are going after specific uh, things that could be fraudulent transfers within the bankruptcy. So like within a limited amount of time that the bankruptcy was filed, if there has been a transfer of assets prior to that, that looks like it's fraudulent, then the bankruptcy trustee can go after those. So we don't no one like we don't have any specific information about it yet. But if there was, say, for example, a huge transfer of funds within like six months before the bankruptcy was filed that looks very suspicious to a woman who may or may not have been Tom's mistress, I think the bankruptcy attorney will look into that. Um, but as far, but that the time limitations on that are very short. So like a mistress from 10 years ago is not going to be involved in that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a mistress. He could be giving funds to his brother or giving funds to his son or whatever. I don't know. Does Tom have a son? Yeah, he has like remember. three sons, I think. Okay. Well, yeah. I think a daughter, too. They're like all listed yeah. on the some of the pleadings. Yeah. So if Tom was like handing out, you know, property, assets worth a lot of money, like, you know, like just piles of diamonds or something or gold bars or whatever to people in his life, 
within a short amount of time before he became insolvent, that is going to trigger suspicion. And if it's within the time frame that you can do that with the bankruptcy fraudulent transfer statutes, then, yeah, they're going to look into it. And I think going back to something else you said, um, even outside the bankruptcy, should they get to the point of criminal charges, I feel like that's something that they're going to look into to see if he was colluding with other people to take yeah. firm assets yeah. and like go hand it out. California has a fraudulent transfer um, statute, and then there's also statutes um, in the federal criminal code that would be subject to those types of things. So, but none of that none of that stuff has been filed yet. No, but we're gonna keep keep going and looking at the docket yeah. and see if anything like that comes. Yeah, up. no criminal stuff has been filed yet, but the you know the petition to. Um, make claims about fraudulent transfers has been filed in both bankruptcies, but we don't have any details about those yet. All right, next one. If it ends up she has to pay back the money but doesn't have it, how does it work? Is it monthly from her income and what about him? So when you go through, like, like let's say you're a normal person and you're an honest person and you have just a business that has failed, you know, through no fault of your own, like COVID hit, something else happened, whatever, and you have to file for bankruptcy. Typically, when there isn't a uh, any nefarious dealings or anything being alleged, the the bankruptcy trustee will help you get a fresh start and will say, okay, you only have to pay this much for this amount. Here are the secured creditors. You know, we are going to close out this judgment and it's on this and so on and so forth. And then they'll also be like, this is what you're allowed to purchase. These are the assets you have to sell to pay these debts, so on and so forth. When right now there is a pleading saying that Tom, Tom's debts should not be discharged in the bankruptcy and that he should still owe them. Um, there's also, they can garnish wages for a certain amount of time. So like anything you make in the future, um, that this much has to be paid, but that, I think, I believe that only goes on while the bankruptcy is still filed. So if you're discharged from bankruptcy, then you don't, the bankruptcy is settled everything and it's not going on. Um, obviously like in criminal cases, if you owe a judgment, um, like you commit a crime, then you owe restitution and that will be garnished from your wages forever. <laughs> like until it's paid off. So there's that. But see, like she may have to pay alimony. Who knows? Right. Like, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next category we're going into is Erica's behavior. And I think this is specific to the reunion. I think we covered a lot of this already in our past two post-reunion episodes. But let's get into it. Can you please address the fact that Erica stated the best way she can help the victims is to assist in court filings, but in reality, she's filing motions to obstruct their ability to get money? I think we kind of addressed this one in our first episode um, about how she's been very litigious and Mm -hmm. uh, has blocked nearly everything with some filing or another, like the homestead exemption that I mentioned earlier. She's challenged certain creditors. She hasn't really been helpful. She's been zealously filing things, but that's, uh, I I go both ways on this one. I we have an like, adversarial system in the United States. Yeah. So it is, a lawsuit is starting a fight. It's starting a war. And there are, you can make it as contentious as you want. I would say she has been aggressively defending herself and making claims in pleadings. Um, and I would say she's, you know, I really didn't like some of the things where she appeared to be being less than forthright. Well, you tell me what you think I have, and then I'll 
I'll tell you if that's right or not. Like, I wouldn't say that that is uh, really going out of her way to assist the victims. Um, but again, Ceci and I are attorneys. We're both litigators. We have an adversarial system, and this is how our system works. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, her counsel could be, could think about, is this worth filing? Like, is this worth going? Yeah. You know, they're being strategic, hopefully. And who knows what they've talked her out of? Perhaps like they, yeah, they, they we right. don't know. We don't know what those attorney-client privilege conversations are. For all we know, Eric is saying, well, I'm not giving them anything. And, you know, but we don't yeah. know. And maybe this is them saying, no, how about we only file this? Or how about we only do this? For mm-hmm. all we know, they are, we don't know. Yeah. And there have been some filings where it's like she wants to make sure this is being done correctly and it's following yeah. the pr- correct process and that creditors are legitimate because some of the creditors are not going to be legitimate creditors. Not everyone that is filing a claim against Tom or his firm like deserves to be paid. Secured, yeah. Yeah. Right. Claim. So, and that's normal in any bankruptcy. So. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Legal team. Have you guys been on Quince's website recently? I shopped on there like three years ago for the first time and bought myself a bunch of cashmere sweaters. I lived in the black cashmere sweater, lived in it. And I hadn't shopped on there for a while because my cashmere sweaters lasted for a really long time. But I decided to go back on there and oh my gosh, have they completely expanded everything that they offer. The workwear, they have washable silk. And I mean, it's so affordable. I also shared with you all that I'm recently engaged and I'm in the middle of wedding planning. So anytime I'm shopping, I'm thinking about wedding, 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 wedding. And they have everything I need for the wedding. I just booked my honeymoon. We're going to go to Southeast Asia. It's going to be hot there. And I've been looking for good linen pieces. Guess what? Quince has good linen pieces and they start at only $30. Then I'm like, okay, we need to get our wedding bands. You know who has fine jewelry now? 14 karat gold quince. So I send the link to Avery and I'm like, you have to get your wedding band from here. It's affordable and it looks just like any other wedding band. I mean, it looks great. Another thing I'm doing, again, I have wedding on the brain. I want to look my best. So I'm like, okay, I really want cute little matching sets to go work out in. It's the only way I can get motivated. I have to like wear a cute little matching set. I've gone really into Pilates and guess what? 
Quince has the matching sets. They look identical to matching sets I've already purchased from another sports brand. They have the same thing. And at a fraction of the cost, I was able to get two tops and one pair of pants for the same price that I could only get one set at this other sportswear place. I mean, come on. Quince is just killing it. If you've shopped there before, it's time to go back on again. They have just completely expanded the categories of goods that they have to offer. They're not just all about cashmere sweaters anymore. They have got a ton of stuff, and I highly recommend you go check it out. If you're ready to go try out Quince, go to quince.com slash docket to get free shipping and 365-day returns. That is q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash docket to get free shipping and 365-day returns. That is an amazing guarantee on their goods. So go check it out. I highly recommend it, guys. All right. Can you explain Erica's counterclaim against Air? Er- uh, uh, excuse me, against Edelson? We discussed this in our second episode. Yeah, and it, it was interesting. I, if you haven't listened, we highly recommend. Yeah, but that's moot now. It is. Yeah, Edelson's case is proceeding against Erica. So. Yeah, and the Chicago judge, if that gets, she may bring it up with the Chicago judge, and the bankruptcy judge in California was like, look. If she wants to bring that up with the Chicago judge, she can, but I'm not going to address it here. So we may be talking about it again. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to read the next one? Oh, yeah. Did Erica incriminate herself as someone capable of lying when she told Sutton she was playing her? I mean, I agree with what Sassy put in the notes here. Like, she has showed herself as a liar many, many times. Erica, there is nothing Erica did by appearing on the show or on her social media or at any point that in any way enhances her credibility it, at all. Yeah. Um, she has, she's, she has made herself the least credible <laughs> as she, as she possibly can. I mean, I guess she can make it worse, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I also don't know like what she would be incriminated for by lying. Like, well, right. Well, I mean, it's, it's just like, so like with you, <laughs> I, I think I, t- I guess I took this as kind of like a like a trial question. Like if you are mm-hmm. impeaching someone for truthfulness and then you're bringing up prior statements. Yeah. So like prior inconsistent statements, obviously, though, that they have to be relevant to whatever she's being examined on. Also, I don't I don't think you could bring in something from a reunion to. I mean, you. Yeah, it's like an out of court. Sta- yeah, because that's an out yeah. of court statement. But it also, I don't know if the door is open to it. If she, who knows? Once it gets to like the actual point, if she's ever in a trial, there's we just don't have enough information yet. But I was, I will say, I find her to be less than credible. But who knows what's what a court thing that could come in? And I, I am going to be fascinated if it does get to the point to where she is actually on a stand, and I will be fascinated. <laughs> yeah, I just want to note that there are a lot of like benchmarks you have to make to get things into court before a judge. Oh yeah. So it's yeah. not just like where I think everyone is like sitting here being like, "Oh, well, she lied," like making bullet points about all the right. lies she's been, you know, and we got all heated up about it, but like there's a chance this stuff doesn't if she ever ends right. up in court, never ends up before a jury or a judge. It's just, you know, yeah, it, it has there's to be a foundation for it. It has to be relevant to the proceeding. It, you know, can't be prejudicial. Like even if she opens the door to it, it like there has to be like a reason why it should be brought up. You can't like it's there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Not everything that go makes into it, it in, which is good because right. it keeps, you know, keeps it fair. Right. Next one. What is the earliest we can conclusively say Erica was aware of the firm that the firm was doing bad stuff? 
So we're going to go back to like we had revamped our website. I have our timelines back up. There's a link on there and we talk about that. And one of the things we talk about was on the timeline and then also in past episodes was the Arizona lawsuit that Erica admitted to on during like the last season that she she was named in that lawsuit that she had asked Tom about it and he told her not to worry about it. You know, whatever. It's, it's all, you know, garbage. So that is the first back in that timeline. It's it's I think 2019. Um, but again, like Ceci has pointed out, there's been decades where Tom has been accused of things. But we do know, and she did admit, that she knew about the Arizona lawsuit in 2019. Mm-hmm. Next one. Did she implicate herself by referring to the firm's money as money we had? And now this goes back to something we were talking about earlier. I really think that she saw everything Tom was making at his job as her money as well, just by being his wife. I think she thought everything was community property. All the money he was bringing in was hers. The problem is that um, <laughs> this went beyond like Tom's salary and his take-home pay or whatnot. What yeah. is being alleged is like he was taking client settlements and loaning them to her, and it's money that should have been going to their their clients so yeah yeah that there there is the flaw in her belief so i don't (laughs) think she incriminated herself by saying we i you know what do you think i mean these are all things that like would be asked about in a deposition but not necessarily that would come up in court so yeah i don't think a prosecutor is gonna go look up the reunion and be like oh my god she said we but (laughs) But you would certainly ask that in a deposition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we're just like super vigilant fans watching and being like, well, she said right. this, but it's not really necessarily how it'll play out. Next one. Would sympathy for the victims hurt her? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I think saying I feel awful about, it, you know, what I've read and what I've, you, the fact that, you know, I think she could say she feels awful about anyone being victimized in that way and that these the circumstances are terrible for them, um, especially because the ones that have judgments. So like for Gomez has the judgment that's not alleged. Um, there's several other victims that have judgments. It's not yeah. alleged. Yeah. So there are people that have established <laughs> that they weren't paid and that they are yeah. legitimate victims. She could say she feels bad for them. I think the best thing she could do is be quiet <laughs> yeah and not go the, the other way she's kind of like right. going far in the other direction where she's saying like i'm the victim and feel bad for yeah. me and what was me and tom like fucked me over but <sighs> yeah <laughs> uh compare her behavior to others facing legal issues on bravo let me say i 1000 this is personal opinion but i 1000 percent respect Teresa judice over how Erica's handled things. I think Teresa handled things with incredible strength. Also, I mean, it's, it is different because Teresa's, the victims were large banks in Teresa and Joe's case. So that's not quite the same thing, but Teresa's way of handling it and standing by her husband and then also paying all of her restitution, paying her husband's restitution, paying her husband's legal bills and, I would give Teresa an A and I would give also Teresa didn't go around blabbing about it to people like she got mad when it got brought up. That's why she doesn't talk to Jacqueline anymore is because she's like, I'm not 
I don't want to talk. I can't talk about this. Whereas it's very different how Eric has been handling it. Yeah. Um, I think comparing it to um, Jen Shaw, who's yeah, the other compared person, to Jen Shaw. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they're pretty similar. Um, I think Jen Shaw's mm-hmm. maybe handling it worse, and this is something we talked about on Ryan Bailey's podcast mm-hmm. um, because Jen Shaw is tier A number one person facing mm-hmm. criminal charges. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. whereas Erica's kind of. Um, an ancillary character in the bankruptcies. Yeah. I, so I guess Erica's doing a little bit better than Jen Shaw, but both are doing terribly. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we give them both an F. <laughs> yeah. How did she never see anything on his phone about the money issues? Okay, so in the... <laughs> that That's interesting. And I also, it's like, I find... I find it very difficult to believe that Erica never went through his phone and that she only, you know, got on there those like two times that she talked about. Like, there is no way that she wasn't like nosier at certain points. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. Also, in the Girardi Keese bankruptcy, there is a adversarial petition by a woman that was in a horrible accident involving uh, Uber. I think Uber, yeah. yeah. And she got a large judgment, and then she was seeing this stuff play out on TV as she was not getting paid. And she alleges in her petition that Tom was texting her and calling her and, like, sending emails and things, like, up until, like, almost past the time where it appeared that Tom had been... It's, like, right before the time when Tom got put in, in the... the yeah. uh, Conservatorship. Yeah, so, it was like after he was found in contempt, after his assets were frozen, after he got put into an, um, an involuntary bankruptcy, he was mm-hmm. still texting her that he was going to get her money back. And that everything was fine. And like, you know, and he was paying her certain checks from certain accounts. I mean, all of this stuff is up there. And so that was a good question for somebody to ask that, you know, how did Erica never see anything in his phone about the money issues? I find that very difficult to believe that she hasn't didn't have some knowledge of that. So that was a good question. Yeah, because he was like texting them, calling them, leaving mm-hmm. those same voicemails that we heard him leave like on the yeah. Hulu documentary. Yeah. Oy. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to read the declaration, but I can't find it. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Sorry, here it is. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So on February 10th, 2021, she says that Girardi called her and he said that he made the settlement money tax-free and he would hopefully have some good news for her the following week. On or about early February 2021, Girardi called me almost every day to tell me he was working on getting me the balance of the settlement proceeds and that the monies were safe. He called me almost every other day throughout March 2021, and he stopped calling me in April 2021. And then that's when she filed the complaint in this case. That is insane when you think yeah, about that's crazy. the timeline. Like, go look at the yeah. timeline that Angela has on the website and compare it to these dates that we just read. Yeah. Yeah. That's like after the the um, LA Times article. Yeah. No, because she, like, she talks about how she was like seeing this stuff coming out and then she's asking him directly about it. Like, yeah, and he's still saying, don't, it, it said your assets are frozen. Don't I need to be worried? And he's like, no, no, it's fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless Erica didn't know how to work his flip phone, then maybe she wasn't seeing stuff, but. okay the next one could you highlight every time she says something juicy for prosecutors so i could but bravo bone collector did a better job than i could and like 
we don't have the time on this podcast to say all the time she said something juicy. If you're not following Bravo Bone Collector and you're listening to us, definitely go follow Bravo Bone Collector. It's an amazing, detailed uh, Instagram page. It's just at Bravo Bone Collector. And they have so many. It's like She has collected all of this detailed information and she has it posted on the Instagram. Also, Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo does an excellent job with pulling up a ton of details. Mm-hmm. So we don't have time to tell you all the things on the podcast, but we can refer you to them and they both do an excellent job. No, but yeah, but just not everything will end up in court. So <laughs> yeah, like as we said before, but yeah, if you want juicy, like transcript type things of, you know, dates and times that she said things with episode references, those accounts have those and they're great. Mm-hmm. Was she being coached during the reunion by attorneys on how to answer? There's no way she wasn't. And one thing I when I was watching the reunion, it's Erica was able to appear on Broadway and memorize lines and sing and do dance moves. And none of that is easy. I feel like being on Broadway is one of the most difficult things you could do. I think she actually got good reviews. And I think people that saw it from what I saw said that they were impressed by how well she did. I feel like she prepared for the union like she prepared for a performance. I don't think she had a good performance, but I think she definitely prepared for it like she would prepare for something else. To be fair, I think all the housewives prepare for the reunion. Let's be honest. I think they all have a sense of what's coming up. So even if Erica wasn't handed the questions, it's pretty obvious what's going to come up. So I think she definitely met with her attorneys to figure out what she could say and the boundaries of what she could say and to keep using the the word alleged. And that's why she keeps saying alleged victims. I think she was just sticking in alleged everywhere she could because her attorneys Mm -hmm. were like, don't claim anything's fact, you know. So I think she got a little tied up and (laughs) forgot when she could say alleged and when she couldn't and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Next category. Why did Erica suggest Tom didn't steal the money? Is there an alt explanation? I mean, I think she wishes he didn't. (laughs) But and I think she would like to figure out a way to pin it on his partner somehow. So then she could try to sue. And again, like Tom was the only like senior partner in that firm. Like he's the one that controlled everything. So that would be, from what I understand, incredibly difficult to claim. But I think she would love to pin it on someone besides Tom. And she's, I still think she's going to do everything she can to point fingers at anyone else but her and Tom. I mean, she already is. She's like asking them to go after the secretaries and stuff like we talked about in another episode. Yeah. So I think she's trying to point her fingers at everyone else. But maybe, maybe she like dumbly thought that he was actually investing their funds like he said he was or that there was some money somewhere coming in at some time and she was had a false sense of hope that i don't know the money was still out there somewhere i don't know i don't know (laughs) i mean if you anything just listen to the last episode if you want to know how i feel about it with yeah i rant pretty much the entire time (laughs) (laughs) all right so this one i did some research on how is tom's incompetence a defense how will it help him how will it affect erica and so this is in a I looked up I looked it up in a, how it, how it would affect him in a criminal situation, which, like we've mentioned many, many times, there haven't been criminal charges filed against Tom or Erica. But you have to be competent in order to stand trial. It means that you have to understand the nature of the court process. This is a grasp of the charges and the parties involved. It ensures that a criminal defendant can rationally assist in their own defense. And a person who isn't competent to stand, to stand trial cannot be convicted of a crime. 
Courts require competency before defendants stand trial in order to preserve due process. And that's to make sure that the proceedings are fair. This is a mm-hmm. Sixth Amendment right. And there, there are ways to test this. They'll have if if it gets this far, if it gets to criminal court and if someone is like challenging his competency or if his own counsel is saying he's incompetent to testify, there will be a hearing about that. And they're going to look at things like if he can communicate with defense counsel adequately, if he can understand and process information, if he can make decisions regarding the case, if he understands the elements of the charges, the gravity of the charges and the possible penalties. Things like not being intelligent, not being educated, language difficulties, challenges in communicating, those are not those are not factors when they're when you're considering competency. So just want to note that. And it's not the same as insanity, which is a defense to carrying out the crime. This is just you you can't even you're basically not there enough to understand the charges against you. So how can you right. be found you have, guilty? You have to have the right to confront your accuser. And then you also you know, have to have, be competent in order to testify and understand what's going on. So I've actually had to prove that in a case before. And when I was uh, doing work where I was appointed to represent um, a client and that, that those constitutional rights protected that client because there was no way that person could have understood what was going on until they got some additional help. Yeah. And it also doesn't apply to his um, competency when the crimes were committed. And again, there haven't been any alleged crimes here. It's his competency at the time of the trial beginning. So just bear that in mind. Should it get that far? And then we talked about this, I think, in our prior episode or maybe one of the one of the prior episodes about how like he could still pay back money. Like, mm-hmm. even if he's incompetent, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and they're going through with it right now. Like we mentioned the, the auction, the proceeds from the auction are being paid out to right. creditors. The proceeds from the sale of some of his homes are going to creditors. So even though he's been found um, to be mentally un, not, not well and is in a conservatorship, creditors are still being repaid. He's still having judgments against him. That civilly is still proceeding, and in the bankruptcy cases, still, it's still proceeding against him. This is just right. in the criminal case. And then, how will it affect Erica? I mean, it, like just like the the bankruptcy, it's like like Ceci is saying the the estate and the law firm are still going to have to pay out creditors. That affects Erica in that way because that you know, lowers whatever is left over for her, whatever she could make a claim to. And then it also may increase the amount that she potentially could owe. And then again, it doesn't like I, we talked about, I think I talked about this in the last one. It doesn't really affect Erica so much other than the fact that Tom can't um, <laughs> use all of his cronies to help defend him anymore. But that has gone completely to hell for Tom anyway. So so you want to do 30? Are yeah. There... So <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Are there coercive control laws in the U.S.? It feels like she's making claims of financial abuse. So I love this question because this was actually something I didn't know and I was unfamiliar with. And I looked it up. And in on September 29th, 2020, uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill clarifying that conduct used to establish coercive control constitutes abuse under California's Domestic Violence Prevention Act. Um, and this 
was a welcome recognition of a long-established form of abuse that can be rather invisible, but no less dangerous to victim survivors. And I know that that is a big deal. Like my, that's one of the biggest things. My friends that do um, family law, when one person is completely in control of all of the finances, you really are, you do feel trapped. Um, so those laws do exist in the United States. I don't know that any of that will apply in any way to Erica's situation, um, but th- those do exist and they are important and I'm glad that they do exist. It's also interesting that it was Newsom, given that he was one that, uh, wasn't he the one that was on Watch What Happens Live and said that he was Erica on Watch was what his Happens favorite? Live. Yeah. Erica was his yeah. favorite because um, Girardi donated to him. So, yeah. Interesting. All right, moving on. Can you explain how not everything is alleged? I think we've already covered this at mm-hmm. at length in our prior episodes and in our Instagram posts. So we're going to continue on. Any criminal charges? We've already discussed that. Overview of what they are each facing right now. I We've gone over this, like the bankruptcies, the uh, petitions outside of that, um, the Edelson case, and then the other case I mentioned earlier. If there were criminal charges, could Erica face conspiracy charges? Is her receiving the funds without knowledge enough to charge her criminally? Now, okay, conspiracy is complicated, but... I do believe for a federal criminal conspiracy charge, she would have to have knowledge of the scheme. So they would have to show that she had knowledge of this plan and agreed with Tom of a plan to, you know, embezzle or defraud his victims for money. So I, she would, I believe she would have to have knowledge and they would have to prove knowledge. And the jury instructions I've looked at for, you know, that type of conspiracy do require that knowledge. What would the charges Tom would be facing be if he was facing criminal charges, in your opinion? I mean, probably something like conspiracy to commit wire fraud, um, embezzlement, maybe just wire fraud if they're just saying it's just him. Um, There's, you know, federal embezzlement charges the misappropriation of funds. I think he would also get a lot of the same charges that Teresa and Joe got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The bankruptcy fraud, fraud. loan fraud. Yeah. Yeah. Tax fraud, loan fraud. (laughs) But we'll see. All the the frauds. All the frauds. Put them all in there. (laughs) All the frauds. All the federal federal fraud. (laughs) Why haven't we heard anything from the other Girardi-Keese attorneys? Will they be involved in the investigation into the finances? We have heard from the other Girardi-Keese attorneys. Um, we've mentioned that in our prior episodes. And they're being they're they're actually they have a hearing coming up next week as to whether or not they should be held in contempt for not paying out settlement funds similar to Tom for the Lion Air victims. So I think we'll hear more from them next week. Yeah. Could she be charged with elder abuse for taking money from him despite knowing he was facing dementia? I also loved this question because that was an angle I hadn't thought of. And again, we don't know any facts one way or the other about this. Only we've only heard her statements about saying, you know, he's he definitely wasn't with it for three years after that car accident that changes every time, whatever. So I am not saying the Bravo docket isn't saying this. We're not saying this. But I did want to look up, you know, elder abuse fraud or senior fraud in California. And that's defined as wrongfully defrauding a person age 65 or older out of money or property. And it says the offense can be filed as a misdemeanor or a felony and can carry penalties of up to four years in prison. And then California elder abuse laws include physical abuse, um, financial abuse, and any other treatment that results in physical and or mental pain or suffering. So that does exist. (laughs) If there's evidence of it, perhaps someone will get charged with it, but we're not saying there is. But I thought that was a great question. Will the victims get money? Yes, and they are getting money. And um, I think we 
there's an excellent Law 360 article that details this and like the amounts, for example, of Gomez and some of the others. So Gomez is getting money um, and the, the bankruptcy courts will figure out who gets paid and when. Okay, you want to go to miscellaneous? These are fun. Yeah, they're yeah, fun. Yeah, I like the miscellaneous. Yeah. These okay. are fun, yeah. Was it snowing when her son flipped his car? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny how she was like, that was the question. She was like, I'm not talking about that on the reunion. She's probably just over it. Yeah. I was like, why is it this? Like, why is the snow the one you're really I'm not talking about? Um, we aren't meteorologists. We don't know. Um, but we... <laughs> she also didn't say because where it happened. You know, like, we don't really have any details. It's presumed it might have been around the Pasadena yeah. area. But, like, for all we know, he could have been, like, driving up to Big Bear or something. So, uh, who, knows? Yeah, who knows? How can he call her five times a day and be incompetent? Oh, plenty of incompetent people use phones. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten calls from people that I definitely think are incompetent. <laughs> They're still using the phone. Is there a case to be made for a type of class action against the California bar? So I have been thinking about this the entire time. And I, was, I will say suing government agencies, suing state agencies is very difficult. There's tons of laws and things you have to go through. Um, but I would... And I'm not saying you can. I do think California attorneys should look into that. But like going by a common law negligence standard, you would think they failed to use ordinary care. Like if you just look at like what is ordinary care for this duty that you're supposed to have, it does not appear they were using ordinary care to prevent something bad from happening. Um, but I don't have the answer to that question, but I think it was an excellent one that is asked. And I'm not licensed in California, so. Why does she get away with being such a bitch? That's our final question. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there is no legal cause of action for she was being a bitch or he was being a bitch. There is not a, a criminal or civil charge for that, for being a punk-ass bitch. And, I mean, a lot of know, people would get charged if there was, so <laughs> thank God there isn't. <laughs> I would probably have charges. <laughs> I'd have ex-boyfriends filing claims. <laughs> You're being such so, a bitch. <laughs> Your Honor. She Your was Honor, being a bitch. the other attorney's being really mean. <laughs> yeah, that one was, okay, guys. that one got me good. <laughs> Yeah, so those were that. I think we covered all of them that we got. So, ooh, ooh, one last thing. So even if, and again, we we have the Patreon. We've been very careful about not cluttering up our podcast with ads, unless it's an ad that for something that we actually would use and we think would improve your life, and we want to, you know, keep doing that. Um, but. Even like we, there's no, there's no obligation to support us, but there's a really, really cute video on Patreon of our pets and us together because Warlock jumped in my lap when I was <laughs> filming. And so then of course, when Ceci filmed her part of it, I was like, you've got to get Buddy in your lap. Mm. So I just think everyone should look at the video of us with our pets because Warlock is just a movie star in it. So he's adorable. Cute. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yeah, check us out on Patreon. We also launched our YouTube where we have some explanatory videos about things that we don't necessarily have the time to cover in the podcast in depth. 
So check that out. We're bringing you content. Yeah, you go. You can learn all about money laundering in our video. And there will be another video out soon. I did not do another video this week because I am on vacation in Mexico. But we also, but there you also an- had the Hulu documentary to get us yeah. talking. So we're giving you right. stuff every week. And we did the Ryan Bailey interview while I'm on vacay. So yeah, <laughs> you got yeah. that as well. Yeah, we are churning out content. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening. Thanks, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Bravo Docket is part of the Acast Creator Network.